My great-grandfather Jesse Strange was born a slave and freed in his 20s. His 12 children were born free and referred to as the first freeborn generation. In this podcast series, I interview Jesse Strange's descendants in order to document our stories. This is Strange Family Folklore. Cousin Plez Blue Wilson, son of Kathleen and Plez Wilson, interweaves his coming-of-age stories with older relatives who shaped him into the man he is today. Thank you for willing to talk about your grandfather, Jesse. Your mother is a character, too, so if you want to talk about your mom as well. Because I know you got yeah. lots of memories. I hope this is not the last time you and I can get together, but I really want to prioritize if you don't mind, the first generation. You can go ahead and talk about this because your mother's the second generation. Grandpa, he was always a character. He was the type of man that would go beyond whatever. Plez's grandfather, Jesse Strange, was the second child of our great-grandfather, Jesse Strange, who, despite similar-sounding names, have a slightly different spelling. He raised his corn, raised sugarcane, too, which I always thought this field across from me where I live at now was a sugarcane field, but they told me it was corn, but it always looked different from corn. I always thought it was sugarcane, but he raised all that, and he taught us a lot, too. Grandpa, him and my mom, <laughs> they always was button heads, but nothing bad. Plus's mom, Kathleen Strange Wilson, a.k.a. Cat, was the eighth child of Jesse and Mary Strange. Grandpa would come around and say, for instance, that she had a cigarette, then she would go put it out. That's the way she was with him. They got along great up in his older years, but Grandpa was always a sharp dressing man. He knew his Bible. He was a great man. I can't say anything bad about my grandfather. He drove his truck until he was about 90-some years old. Actually, they had to take it from him because he would get in there and go up the road. You weren't going to take it away from him. He would get in his truck and go up the road, and he just got too old to be on the road with it. Is this the green truck that you guys would repaint? Yeah. Gwen told me a little bit about that. Cousin Gwen Strange is the daughter of Joe and Margaret Ann Strange and the granddaughter of Jesse Strange, the younger. We would have that truck. It'd sit out there in the yard for a long time, but he loved that truck. We all got spray cans of paint and we just painted it. He was happy with it. He was also, when we have our family unions, he was always sitting around. He would always have this black skillet pot. When they would kill the pig, they'd cut up the meat and have that pot. Nobody else could touch that pot. Nobody else could cook that meat but him. And the meat skins, everything out of that pot. Now, he made sure it was good and cooked and crackling. So you couldn't do anything for us that pot. What was his specialty? Grandpa's specialty was talking to fire out of people. He traveled up to D.C. and actually one of our cousins had gotten burned. I think it was Barbara that had got burned. Cousin Barbara is the granddaughter of Ernest Wheeler and Marion Strange Wheeler. Marion is the third child of Jesse Strange, the younger. So he went up there. He had that gift. Not only that, for Barbara, he went to D.C. to talk on fire. Some special person up there. I'm not sure who it was. Now, he would get angry, but you never seen him as a mad person. Not to me, not to none of us. So. He was just a great person. He would sit outside. Sometimes he would sit out at Aunt Seal's house and he'd have his cane. Aunt Lucille, a.k.a. Aunt Seal, is the sixth child of Jesse Strange, the younger. 
he would sit there with this tree. Always had some yellow jackets. So they would just swarm and he'd just sit there with his little cane and he'd kill him. He'd just kill him with his cane. So he uh, <laughs> he would just sit there just as humble as he, he could. But that's how grandpa was. He was a patient man. He also was the sheriff. We called him the sheriff in town. No, he was the sheriff. Along with Uncle Floyd. Floyd, my Uncle Thale. I think Uncle Joe was at one time. But that's when they used to have what they call associations back those days. Plus's great uncle Floyd B. Strange was my grandfather and the eleventh child of Jesse Strange, the elder. Walter Thel Strange and Joe Strange were the eleventh and thirteenth children of Jesse Strange, the younger. We all would go over to this place. They had tents up, just like you do the family reunion. They'd have the games, they have preaching, drinking, whatever, but they were sort of like the police over there when you didn't have like our police now, they would walk around like they were the police. And was so, this only during family reunion time or special occasions? No, this was a thing that they called association. So they had different churches coming in from different places or wherever. It was sort of like a family reunion. They had things you could buy. You could go and take pictures. Just be all over the place pretty much. They had food there, but it wasn't like we do our family reunion these days. Well, the way we do family reunion now, this was like they had everything there. They had different tents different people. We all had a good time because we all went. You know, we looked forward to it during those times. Those are some of the things that I remember about going at a younger age during that time. Like I said, my mom would take us over there and just load up the car, dress us up, and take us over there. That was a good thing. Pretty much like a, going to a fair or amusement park. So. Now, you say load up the car. Tell us how many siblings you have. I have six sisters, five by my mom, but we have a, a sister by my dad. Actually, we found out about her. Well, we knew about her, but we didn't know who she was at that time. We came together and finally when we did, everything is good. So she's part of our life. At the age that I really went to see her, it was around about 18. <laughs> when I first turned 18, we went to see her. I got to New York. She lived in New York. I got up there and I said, well, I turned 18 now so I can get in the club. So uh, <laughs> when I got up there and you ready to go in the club and the, the man wouldn't let me in. I was like, I'm, I'm 18 now. <laughs> no, you got to be 25. You've been here. <laughs> I still couldn't get in the club. We left there. You have a baby face anyway. At 18, <laughs> you probably still look 12. <laughs> Probably, but they wouldn't let me in. Even though I had my ID, they still wouldn't let me in. Plus, he wasn't old enough. You were the only son. Oh, yeah. I was the only man in the house at that time, but had to take care of mom. My mom was something else. She always kept something up. She kept something going. She was just hilarious sometimes. She was a strong mom. She didn't play. She didn't take no stuff off of nobody. She was somebody that you would want to be around. Your uncles would come up to the house like Orlando and Clarence. My uncles, Olander and Clarence, were the second and third children of my maternal grandparents, Floyd and Beatrice Strange. Those two right there stayed up at the house. They always was going to make sure they came to Cat's house whenever they came to town. They were best of buddies. We always respected them, but my mom, they respected her. She was a, a tough woman for us, having to raise all six of us. So mom would do some wild stuff sometimes. She would cut her hair, and she know I don't like for her to cut her hair. But she would do it just to rattle me sometimes because she would come back and she'd have it fixed up. She'd go to the beauty shop. Now, she used to fix hair herself. She used to fix a lot of people's hair. One particular time she went to the beauty shop and she knew when she got back, I was going to say something about her cutting her hair. She got back and she go, how you like it? I'm like, well, I mean, you didn't cut it now. So what can I say? Uh, <laughs> 
But she did a lot of people's hair. She did hair on her porch. She had this little lantern thing, which had the a little eye, they call it. What Plez calls a lantern is also known as a thermal stove or a heater stove, an open-ended, elliptical-shaped metal canister that heated up on the inside to heat the metal comb and curlers used to style black natural hair. And she had the curlers and curling irons and stuff like that. And so she did people's hair back in the day, too. Well, she had so many daughters. I mean, that was just practical. Yeah, she, well, she fixed their hair, too, I guess. Mom was smart, though. She was smart for what she had learned in school. Didn't go further far in school, but she learned a lot. She knew a lot with the bit of education she had. She was a hardworking woman. She really was. When she got to a point that she was like, I'm tired, I'm ready to quit work, I'm going to go. And the time she was ready to retire, I said, hey, when you're ready, go for it. And she did. What did your mother um, retire from? She retired around age 62. She retired at 62. She traveled where she needed to go. My dad had a, a Cadillac when he passed away, so she got a 442. Those things were pretty, pretty souped up. Sherman was in the military at the time that she had got hurt. Sherman Adams, a.k.a. Shorty is the son of Clyde and Lucille Strange Adams. When he got out the military, she had a green one and he had a gold one. So he ended up going getting a gold one like hers. Those two cars was very fast. We drove that and grew up in that car for a long time. Finally, she decided she was going to get her another car. So she finally got her a Delta 88 Oldsmobile. And those were the best cars out there. The thing that she wanted on the car, that she wanted everything electric. So... By the time we got up there to get the car, the one seat was electric, the other seat was. Finally, she took it back and told them that she didn't want the car unless it came loaded. They had to take the car back, get her what she wanted. She wasn't the person that she went for cheap. Anything that she bought, she bought the best. Furniture, she was going to get the top of the line, regardless. She wasn't rich or anything like that. The thing of it is, she just wanted the quality. That's the way she was. She won't go and settle for something that next thing you know is going to break down. When we were going to school, she helps read about Vega. Okay, so here's the birth order of Plez's siblings and himself. Cheryl, Sharita, Kathy, Plez, Jereen, and Jacqueline. Sharita drove it. She came back home because she had moved to Washington, but she came back home, bought this car, and she went to college, went to school with the car. After Sharita went through school with the car, she got married to Lawrence, and the car stayed at the house. So Kathy drove it to school. She drove it till she got out of college. By the time Kathy got out of college, I drove the Vega. Jackie drove it. Jereen drove it. The car stayed there. We had put about two motors in the car. But the car lasted forever. Finally, we sold it. And it ended up on 58 somewhere. We had sold it to somebody. It ended up on 58. I've never seen it anymore. That car was a hand-me-down car through everybody. Everybody. That was the only car that we had that actually was hand me down <laughs> it went through all of us but it was a good car and but at that time you had tree mechanics they called them the tree mechanic also known as shade tree mechanics they fixed cars with minimal equipment they would work on a car they could put it back together those type of cars that you could put back together but now these days it's the difference when now and and then when cars were made cars today are old. very computerized oh yeah Definitely. Mom was, like I said, she was a person that people loved to be around. They would always come in from work on second shift. Sometimes they would go to see my Aunt Jean. Barbara Jean Strange Clark is the 12th child of Jesse Strange, the elder. The funniest thing was Ma had, they had already gone up to Washington. My Uncle Joe, he wanted to go up there as well. 
but he didn't get off work till late. I never forget the story. Now, my uncle Joe, he was something else. He was one of my uncles that but he was kind of a tough guy. He was one of the guys who just didn't take no jump. He really didn't. He was going to DC one day. I was small. I can't think how old I was. I maybe I was around about Maybe 15, he would say, please, I'm getting ready to go to Washington. He said, you can go with me? I said, yeah, I'll go with you. So he had the Volkswagen. He said, well, I'm going to leave at such and such a time. I want you to go with me. Be ready, okay? I said, okay. So we get in the car and we take off to D.C. He had this little bottle beside him. He said, now, every time, and there was a little glass he had, every time I tell you, pull me a shot. You pulled me a shot. And I did. By the time we got to D.C., that Volkswagen, <laughs> I mean, he had that thing in the wind. By the time we got there, he had put it in the shop because <laughs> he had drove it that hard. By the time we got up there, that car was ready to go in the shop. Do you know what you were pouring for him? No, I didn't. <laughs> he just said pour it. <laughs> I don't even know what it was. He just said, every time I tell you to pour me one, just pour it. Because he used the word idea. shot, I'm thinking alcohol. Well, he knew what it was. I didn't know what it was because, like I said, I didn't do no drinking back at the time, so I didn't know. Right. I just know among our family, moonshine was very popular. Even if that was a shot of moonshine that he was asking you to pour. It was definitely that. And it sounds racy today because of drinking and driving, but that was so common. I bet y'all weren't even wearing seatbelts. We wasn't. Drinking wasn't my thing. That wasn't something that I wanted to do. (laughs) I've seen too many people drunk and I just couldn't. Something I've always wanted to ask you, but never got around to it. It was the longest time before I realized that your name was Little Plez, because mm-hmm. I grew up knowing you as Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get well, that nickname it, from? People call me Little Plez because I was named after my dad. It's just Plez. I named my son Deontay, but I actually gave my middle name. And I put the Love Plez, L-E-P-L-E-A-S, Love Plez. So it's more of a French name, I guess you would say. Mm. <laughs> French like sounding, at least. But where yeah. did we get blue from? Blue came from the kids, Cascade kids, like Perry and Jordan. Perry Adams is the son of Clyde and Seal Adams. My and even Uncle Shorty Clyde. is Sherman. <laughs> uh, yeah. It took me a long time to know that Shorty's name was Sherman. <laughs> I think I was an adult when I learned that. The name Blue came from the, the kids in the neighborhood, really. That's something that they gave me because of my color. I had, a, I guess, a shine, a blue kind of shine, as they call black blue. That's what they always called me. Just stuck. I wore it and carried it on through high school, everything else. Coming up as Blue, I had it on my jacket. I had a jean jacket with Blue on the back of it. Anywhere I went, they knew me as Blue, but they didn't know me as Blue. Players. A lot of my classmates didn't know me as players. I mean, they knew it, but they they just called me blue because they didn't call me players. As I got older and started getting in church more and our pastor was teaching how to actually talk with your brother or talk with your sister. And he was telling us how to greet them in a way of Christianity. He would say, when you meet this person, you would say Mr. or brother or something like that. So my Uncle Clyde always called me Uncle Skeet. Clyde Adams was married to Lucille Strange Adams. I don't know where he got that from. He always was going to give you a nickname. But he never called me Blue. He always called me Uncle Ski. Why? I don't know. But, I've never uh, even heard that. You're teaching me something today. <laughs> yeah, when that Christianity kicked in and they were saying, we're going to call everybody, start calling brothers and sisters, brothers, sister, so-and-so. I said, you know what? My Uncle Clyde always called me 
Uncle Skeet, but he will not call me Brother Blue. <laughs> so <laughs> I won't be called Brother Blue. I said I'm going to have to start changing this. People will say, wow, I've been knowing you as Blue all my life, so why are you changing now? I said, well, I grew up. You know, that was just my childhood name that people would call me. It's still a lot of people call me Blue, but then now they call me players more now than they do Blue, because I would say, it's time for me to start taking on my name instead of calling me by my nickname. I agree. It wasn't any religious conversion that came over me. I just felt like I outgrew Tweety Bird. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's true, because a lot of the cousins now, like Uncle Percy's children, a lot of them had nicknames as well. I didn't know who they were because you just called them by their nickname. When you got to call them their real name, we didn't know who they were. So I had to start learning their real names so I'll know not to call them by their nicknames because I think people deserve to be called by their real name. That's just me. In our family, though, it's more of a term of endearment than anything else. But you're and, right. Um, it's in childhood. And then we all grow up and usually we drop it. I don't think Shorty minds being called Shorty. He don't. I call him Shorty and I catch myself instead of calling him Shorty, I call him Sherman. I don't call him Brother Sherman. My dad passed away at the time. Sherman was in the military, so I took him on as my mentor, my father figure at that time. So he was there when he come out the military, when he was in the military. I was like a, a kid at the candy store when they would say, Sherman on the phone. He was over wherever he was at. He said, Sherman on the phone. I would run from my house out to Aunt Seal's house just to talk to him on the phone. He was my father figure after my father had passed. I followed him pretty much every way we went. You never <laughs> you know? followed him into the military, did you? No, he tried to talk me into going into military. But when I was in high school, when I was getting ready to actually getting ready to graduate, and I just turned 18, too. So mom said, please, when you get out of school, you got to register. I told her, I'm not registering for nothing. I'm not going to no military. She said, well, please, if you don't register, they might lock you up. I'm like, no, I'm not going to register. I'm not going into the military. At the time, there were a lot of people would tell me, well, you're the honest son, so they're not going to actually send you into the military. But by the time after I was turned 18, they had called off the draft. I was about to say, you should be young enough that there wasn't a draft at that point. What yeah, year did you I, graduate from high school? They had called off the draft sometime after that. I did it because she begged me to do it because she said, you need to do it. You registered and later on they called off the draft? Yeah. And, what uh, year was that? I graduated in 79, so I was about Pretty close to 18, 19, somewhere in there, yeah. Officially, the U.S. draft ended in 1973, but technically, Congress can call up a draft at any time. Men still have to register with the Selective Service. That sounds about right. I remember being a child and seeing it on TV about having to register. Right, but no, I determined I wouldn't want to do that. It's a funny thing I would tell you about my mom. When I first started driving the Vega and I was dating then, I was dating Deborah during that time. Deborah's my wife. I mean, instead of saying Cooney, I'll call her Deborah. As soon Deborah, as he you know. said Deborah, I thought Cooney, but yeah, <laughs> everybody with their but, nicknames. I had just got my license and going seeing her and everything. I'm thinking I'm stuffed now. I could drive, I got the Vega out, and I go out and do what I want to do, right? Here I am. I'm staying out late. Now, before I got my license, Purge taught me. Between Sharita and Per, because Sharita kind of taught me on the car how to drive, but Per actually taught me how to drive on the road, on the highway. We had oh, okay. no license, no license at all, because Per was always said, players, I'm going out, and anything happened, I get tired, sleepy, you got to drive. 
I knew all the back roads, so we didn't actually get on the highway. We, I mean, got on the highway, but we didn't go on the main highway. We always took back roads. Learned all the back roads to go through. So that's how I learned how to drive then. As long as I was out with Perk, if him and I was out, we could stay out as late as we wanted to. I was about 14 years old. I don't care where he went, he would take me with him or whatever. Like I said, as long as I'm out with him, I'm fine. If I'm by myself, no, it ain't going to happen. When I got to drive myself and I'm coming in the house and I come in around about three o'clock in the morning. Well, when I did that, guess who waiting at the door? Mom waiting at the door. He going, if you come in this house one more time at three o'clock in the morning, you will not drive again. I got to listen. I wasn't able to drive some more. So I had to, <laughs> I had to say, okay, yes, ma'am. She was tough. She didn't take no stuff off of nobody, especially us. She taught us well. She really did. She gave us everything that we could possibly need for as a mom could give us. At this point, emotions well up in Cousin Plez. Take your time, Plez. This is one of the reasons why I love doing these interviews and sharing it with the rest of the family. We can all remember. I like to share a funny story about your mom. This is one of the stories that my mother told me because I was born in Japan because my father was stationed okay. in Japan with the Air Force. My parents are Carl and Velma Roberson. Velma Strange Roberson is the sixth child of Floyd and Beatrice Strange. I didn't really grow up with you guys. When your mom met me, I was a little toddler. I could barely walk or whatever. And so we were in the living room. Really common when you're around little children, you just pat them on the butt. <laughs> you're not spanking them. My mom said, your mother reached down, pat me on the butt, just smiling. And I looked at her and I could barely walk, but I tried to run away because <laughs> she pat me on the <laughs> no one ever played with me like that before, <laughs> but that's the way in the country you play with little kids. <laughs> You're not really oh, yeah. hitting them. You're just patting them on the butt. <laughs> that's one of the first story that my mother loves to tell about when Kat first met me <laughs> when I was a toddler. <laughs> I remember when y'all used to come, your mom, I tell Renee the story all the time. She took us, all of us, me, her, and Carla, took us to the movie. Renee and Carla are my two older sisters. She treated me well. All those times that her and my mom hung out, then those two hung out all the time too. Mom's house was always open to people because they felt comfortable. They felt at home. She made them feel at home. I can't talk about my dad much because it was going to be too emotional to talk about right now because I can't share I that right now. At a younger age, I used to have to go help Uncle Theo pull the Bible and Uncle Joe and also, I'd help me be Herbert. Herbert Strange is my uncle, the fourth child of Floyd and B. Strange. Herbert, actually, you know the little green building down there, right? Yes. Well, the little green building, Herbert came in and he was cutting hair in there. And every time I go down to the shop, he had the shoe shiners back then. He didn't have nobody to shine shoes. So he asked me, well, you want a job? And I, I said, yeah. He said, well, you do you know how to shine shoes? So he put me in the work of shining shoes. I learned how to shine shoes in that little shop. It wasn't but so big, but he still got all that stuff in there. I'd shine people's shoes while I was in the shop. Pretty much worked from that time on. And then going through middle school, I got a job at the school when I was in school. I worked during that time as well because it was a program back in those days that if you were in school, I guess it was kind of like low income at that time because you know, my mom was saying we could work. I worked in the school. 
clean the hallways and after school programs, stuff like that. Pretty much been work ever since. Went to college for about a year. I didn't finish college at that time because I was working third shift. The kids to baseball practice. One in school, Deborah was in school, I was in school, so all of us in schools and still trying to manage everything else. I just had to let something go, so I had to let that go. But I did it. I got them through school, through college. That was the main thing. My kids have grown up to be very intelligent fellows, grown men, dad, and husbands. They have really been good to me and my wife. Whenever she went through school, she finished school. It's been great. I can't say anymore. God has blessed us. I didn't say that at the beginning, but he has. He's brought us through some of the roughest times. He's been good. That's all I can say. Thank you so, so much for taking time. I'll tell you one thing about my uncles on my mom's side. They were great men. They taught me a lot. They showed me how to farm. They were stern men. Like I said, my Uncle Joe, he was one of the ones that I feel like was the toughest one that you would want to see. But my Uncle Theo was one that if he wanted that work done, I always called my Uncle Theo the richest black man in Cascade. Why uh, is that? He was. <laughs> well, Uncle Theo was well known. Uncle Theo was very well known with the tobacco and everything that he had. Uncle Theo could go into a, a store and get whatever without even having a dime. He could get it. One of the first ones around here that had those buck barns. Yes, so he explained what a buck barn was to me. We had the slides and stuff like that. They came out with those buck barns. He had them. To me, I always called him a rich black man. <laughs> Who taught you construction? Sherman. Sherman is skilled at a lot of stuff that he do now. He taught me how to build anything that he could build. I can't build it like him, but he taught me some things how to build. My brother-in-law, Bill, taught me how to work on cars. After him and Cheryl got married, Bill came in and he taught me how to work on cars. I learned a little bit from everybody. That's what amazes me about, I refer to you guys as my country relatives, (laughs) but you guys are very self-sufficient. Very self-sufficient. You know how to grow food, make food, build your house, work on cars, like a lot of different skills. Yeah. I always tell people the time that you can work on cars, change your oil and change the plugs are a lot easier than you can now. So changing the plug wasn't nothing back then, but now it's, I would even tempt to go out and do it and change my oil. I wouldn't even do that no more. It's a whole lot convenient to just take it on to the shop and let them do it. Like I said, we've been blessed for a lot of things that God has allowed us to do and just took us through a lot of things. He's been there for us through whatever. I give God all the praise, so I can't thank him enough.